With their season hanging in the balance and just two games left to play, what do the Seahawks need to accomplish to get a key victory over the Jets in the de facto elimination game at Lumen Field? Nick Lee and I are going to be breaking it all down in our Blue Friday edition of Locked On Seahawks. You are Locked On Seahawks. Your daily Seattle Seahawks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Greetings, 12. This is Corbin Smith, your host for Locked On Seahawks. Joining me for our latest Blue Friday episode, my co-host, Nick Lee. A special thanks to all the 12s out there as we approach the new year for joining us five days a week on the Locked On Seahawks podcast. We greatly appreciate it. Jam-packed Friday episode coming your way. We have reached the final home stretch. Two games left to play. The Seahawks are still alive in the NFC playoff race, but they need to win. And of course, they're going to need some help from some other teams. First key, though, take care of your own business. Nick and I are going to be breaking down what the Seahawks need to do to beat the Jets at Lumen Field on Sunday and keep their playoff hopes alive. Plus, we'll be playing a spirited game of over or under and we'll be taking a look at the final injury report released today by the Seahawks as well. Loaded episode coming your way, so let's get to it. Now for your lead story here on our Blue Friday edition of Locked On Seahawks. Heading into Sunday's must-win battle against the New York Jets, the Seahawks had a very long final injury report today. And it really was a mixed bag when you look at the prognosis for a number of these players. Seven players originally listed as questionable. Marquise Goodwin being downgraded an hour later to doubtful with shoulder and wrist injuries that he's battling through. So unlikely that he's going to play, but they did get some pretty positive news from Pete Carroll on Tyler Lockett and his chances of maybe being able to play less than two weeks after surgery on his left hand. Yeah, what an amazing development. You know, just uh, a couple weeks ago, getting surgery on, on that finger, especially, you know, it, it's one thing if you're a linebacker, you can club it up or, you know, a, a safety, you can tape it up and, and get that glove on or, uh, you know, find a way to, to kind of hide that injury. But as a receiver, you know, that's kind of your moneymaker. <laughs> and uh, the fact that Tyler Lockett is, is so uh, is ready to come back so soon. Um, first of all, it shows his toughness and shows just how much this game means to the Seahawks and means to him. Uh, just they, they are, really on, on the cusp of, of fighting for their playoff lives on the fringe. And this is, this is an absolute got to have game at home. And I think Tyler Lockett might sense that not that they're going to, you know, throw him out there when, if, if he's not, you know, if he, if he against his will, I guess. Um, but I think he's, he's ready to go. And, I, and he understands the importance of this game and boy, the Seahawks are going to need him, especially with how strong that defense is for the jets. Yeah. Even if he's not a hundred percent, Having number 16 out there as a decoy is a weapon by itself. That's going to open things up for DK Metcalf, who didn't have the luxury of having Tyler Lockett across from in Kansas City and still had a decent game, but Geno Smith had to force feed him a lot because other receivers were not getting open. And having somebody like Laquan Treadwell as your number three receiver instead of your number two like they had last week, or Dariq Young if they finally let him loose a little bit this weekend, that is going to be beneficial when – those players are your number threes and fours, not your twos. That's a big difference with the offense, particularly on a third down. And so Pete Carroll made it clear today that they're still playing this by ear. They need to see how he handles the next couple of days coming off of a few practices, but he was catching passes pain-free. I think it sounds like he is going to be at least trying to play in this football game. And 
so far, the progress report's looking pretty positive. And the same thing goes for Al Woods. And he had kind of a weird week. He practiced on Wednesday, and then he did not practice Thursday. And that made me think, uh-oh, we've had ourselves a bit of a uh, relapse here with this injury. Had a setback with his Achilles issue. But then he practiced again today, and Pete Carroll said he looked pretty darn good out there. So looks like that's trending towards Al Woods being able to play. And Ken Walker the third. As we talked about last week, it's basically preservation throughout the week for him. Just make sure that he's ready to go on game day. They're resting him up with his ankle not being 100% during the week. P. Carroll said he's going to have very fresh legs. So those are the good injury updates. Where things start to go south a little bit are along the offensive line at the safety position. Abraham Luke is dealing with patellar tendon irritation. That is never a set of words that you want to hear for any football player, especially your standout rookie right tackle. He did not practice at all this week, so they are going to have to play that by ear and see if he's going to be available. That's going to be a game-time decision. And safety Ryan Neal, who missed last week's game, also did not practice at all this week, and he is a game-time decision. So we may see more Jonathan Abram and Tease Tabor playing a strong safety position against the Jets if he is not able to go, not practicing all week. Doesn't seem like a very good omen for him. No, it's not. Um, one thing I will say, yeah, it, it, it sucks to not have Ryan Neal, or most likely not have – or maybe not have Ryan Neal. I guess it's still kind of 50-50. Not that the Jets you know, have <laughs> a, a Travis Kelsey – Tyler Conklin's a decent tight end in his own right, um, but the fact that, uh, that 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 there might be without Ryan Neal is really going to stink. But also on the flip side, Jonathan Abram has really uh, shown a, a little bit of, of his uh, his ability. That that play he made on Travis Kelsey in that Chiefs game, I, I think, spoke of, of to what his his potential, his ceiling could be. Um, obviously, the the ceiling is high as well, and the floor might be a little low, and hence why he hasn't been able to you know stick with that. He really had a Pro Bowl trajectory coming out of out of college. Um, and, and as far as the offensive line yet, yeah, I mean, they, they, they did have a little bit of success with stone Forsyth at right tackle running the ball towards the you know middle to end of that game in Kansas city. Um, some of that might've been circumstantial, but um, Abraham Lucas, you, you never want to have that be an issue, especially with how fierce that front seven, or at least that defensive line is for the jets. Um, you don't want to be down uh, your starting tackle. No, and like you said, if he's out, Forsyth will get the first start of his NFL career. He played the most snaps. He's played an NFL game last week, and I know Pro Football Focus was down on him. I did not think that he played poorly in the second half when he checked in. I saw some really promising plays in the run game, which was not his strength coming out of Florida. Were there some issues in pass protection? Absolutely, but when you're getting thrown into the lineup in a game like that, when it's really cold outside, it's hard to get warmed up, and it's your first extensive action in a year, it's really difficult to be a pinch hitter in that case, like Forsyth was. And and Jonathan Abram, Tease Tabor, those two are going to be ready to go because they played all the snaps last week if Ryan Neal's not going to be able to suit up this week. So they maybe feel a little better about those issues at those two positions just because the experience that players got last week against a really good team in the Kansas City Chiefs. But still, again – backup tackle against that front line for the Jets. That's not necessarily good news. And Ryan Neal, his ability to come up and play in the box and play the run, they're going to miss that out there. Just the leadership that he brings by example on the field. And they don't have him. One other injury that I do think is worth noting, Travis Homer is dealing with a high ankle sprain. And since Ken Walker III is not 100%, DJ Dallas sounds like he's in good shape. But Homer right now is the only other healthy running back that they have on the roster away from Godwin Igubuke, who hasn't played any offense for the Seahawks. He's just been a kick returner, and the game's been called up. 
Iguibuque, though, is available now on the 53-man roster. So that is something to watch. If Homer cannot play in this game, Iguibuque might finally get a chance to show what he can do in something other than special teams with the explosiveness that we've seen from him as a kick returner. That, that is something worth monitoring on special teams and offense going into this Week 17 contest. What do the Seahawks need to do to get that eighth win and get back to 500 while staying in the playoff hunt with one game left to play? Nick and I are going to be devising our weekly game plan coming up next here on our Blue Friday edition of Locked On Seahawks. This episode is brought to you by NHTSA. Did you know that driving high is considered driving under the influence? That's right. Driving under the influence of marijuana is against the law in every state, even in states where marijuana is legal. And that means driving high could get you a DUI. If you think law enforcement officers can't tell you're driving high, you're wrong. Your friends can tell, your coworkers can tell, and your parents can definitely tell. Everyone can tell. So what makes you think law enforcement officers don't know when you're driving high? Driving under the influence of marijuana can slow your response time and change how you perceive time and speed. So even if you think you're fine to drive when you're high, you're not. Because the bottom line is, if you feel different, you drive different. And driving high is driving under the influence. So remember, drive high, get a DUI. Paid for by NHTSA. You're listening to Blue Friday here on the Locked On Seahawks podcast. I'm your host, Corbin Smith. Glad to be joined for today's episode by my co-host, Nick Lee. And a special thanks to all the 12s out there, whether you're listening in Idaho, Texas, Germany, wherever you're listening from. Thanks for making Locked On Seahawks your first listen five days a week. We greatly appreciate it. And for your second listen, don't forget to check out the Locked On Sports Today podcast. From the games that matter the most to the biggest stories in sports, go beyond the scoreboard and behind the scenes with local experts and insights only Locked On can provide. Locked On Sports Today is available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcast. All right, Nick, we reached, as, the, as they like to say, the end win or go home mode for the Seattle Seahawks going into week 17. They're seven and eight. They're a game under 500, but they're still mathematically alive in the playoff race. Two games left to play. This is truly an elimination game against the Jets who come in with a seven and eight record themselves. Both these teams have been trending downward. They're just trying to salvage their season and stay in the playoff race. So let's talk about what Seattle's got to do to finally win at home. It feels like it's been like three months since the Seahawks won a game at Lumen Field. And it might be that, actually. They've lost three in a row there at home. It's been a long time since they have won in front of their home fans. So let's talk game planning here on the offensive side of the football, where the Seahawks have been sputtering the last couple of games. What does Seattle need to do against this top five ranked scoring defense the Jets are bringing to town? What do they need to do to have success in this game and lead to victory on offense? Well, it's interesting, you know, both teams, this is kind of a matchup of who can, I don't know if it's like a, something out of saving private Ryan, who can put the most pressure on a gaping wound and get the blood stopped quick enough to, to save your playoff hopes. That's kind of what this game has, has turned into. Yeah. Um, and for the Seahawks, you know, running the ball. I mean, they have to run the ball. I mean, we, we talk about this every week, but the problem is, the Jets are third in the NFL in run stop run stopping win rate, and third in the NFL in yards per carry allowed. They have a very very stout running defense. Of course, you got Quinn Williams um, all on the defensive line. You know Carl Lawson, John Franklin Myers, you know Sheldon Rankins, those guys, and C.J. Mosley, five time Pro Bowler, very very one of the better I think run stopping linebackers in the NFL. Um, so it's not you can't just roll your Seahawks helmet out there and say hey you know we're going to run the ball here. Um, the Jets will not let that happen. You're going to have to get a little creative. Um, the, you know, and Shane Waldron's going to have to think a little bit outside the box because 
if the Seahawks can't get the running game going, I know it might be a little bit of banging your head against the wall a little bit, but you can't, you can't get behind the chains. You can't get behind. You can't do the third and eight, third and nine stuff. Um, Cause if the Seahawks get behind the chains, Quinn, Quinn and Williams and company, he's going to pin his ears back in the pass rush and he will eat through Austin Blythe. Like I eat through a plate of hot tikka masala. I mean, just the lamb tikka masala plate. And it just, it, it, there's going to be crumbs and sauce everywhere. It's just not going to be great. So <laughs> you can't let that happen. Yeah, I love what you mentioned with the creativity in the run game because I think that is something that has been badly missing for the last five or six weeks of the season, if not longer. It just seems like Seattle a lot of the time, and they got away from this the second half against Kansas City. They've had a lot of plays running the ball out of shotgun. It's just been simple inside-outside zone runs, and other teams are just bottling them up. They're dominating the line of scrimmage, and they're getting to Ken Walker, whoever's back there, and they're making life very difficult for Seattle's running game. What we saw in Kansas City is more under center, which I have been preaching for for the last two or three weeks. We saw a little bit more pre-snap motion. I'm not an advocate for having eye candy every single play, but – we haven't seen very much of it from the Seahawks offense. So try to mix in that pre-snap motion, try to create extra gaps, make defenders conflicted with what you do pre-snap, mix in your gap runs to go with your zone runs. I'd like to see a little bit of the guards and the tackles pulling in this game. And that might be outside too. Seattle had a lot of success running the ball to the perimeter against Kansas city. That's going to be tough against the jets, but that might be your best bet to get some big plays on the ground with the talent that they have in the interior. You mentioned Quinn Williams and CJ Mosley. So this is a game where that rushing attack is going to have to be creative. You're going to have to be able to run the ball. You got to stick with it. But like you said as well, you can't end up in a situation in this game against this opponent. If you're getting stuffed on first and second down runs pretty much every single time, and you're ending up with those third and eight, third and nine, third and 10 or longer situations that have plagued the Seahawks, this is, an, a, this is a very stout pass rush, and they don't blitz very often. In fact, dead last in the NFL in blitzes, so they're going to get after you with your front four. They're going to find ways to turn the heat up on quarterback, and they're very efficient when they get back there bringing down quarterbacks for sacks near the top of the NFL as a team in sacks. So you've got to be you got to be cautious. you got to be careful with that run game and not, as you mentioned, try to slam your head against the wall too many times. If things aren't working, you need to be able to adapt, and you got to find ways to get – an effective run game, be creative with your schemes, and that gives you your best chance. This is going to feel like a broken record because we've been talking about it for the last couple of weeks, but this is another opponent where the middle of the field has got to be your friend if you're Geno Smith. As good of a player as C.J. Mosley is, he has been exposed at times in coverage this year. The Jets linebackers, that has been a little bit of a problem for them. They also have had their share of issues in the slot as well. Michael Carter second is among the top three slot corners in the league for most yardage allowed this year. So that has been an area of weakness, particularly to tight ends. The Jets are another defense. I feel like the Seahawks have played a lot of defenses that have been really bad against tight ends this year, and they've only been able to take advantage of it half the time. This is a game where Noah Fant and Kobe Parkinson and maybe Jacob Hollister coming up from the practice squad. Those guys Geno Smith should be looking for on the short to intermediate routes routes in the middle of the field from the slot get the football to those playmakers and that can take some pressure off of your offensive line and allow you to sustain drives and move the chains. Yeah. And you got, you got to fi- figure out ways to get to, to find the, you know, the soft underbelly and um, with that, that also might require, you know, if, if you struggle in the run game, 
you know, short passes, things over the middle, some seams, you know, you got to take advantage of those opportunities when you get there. Um, third as well um, is tread carefully with Sauce Gardner. Now, you don't need to do the whole Aaron Rodgers versus Richard Sherman thing. Um, I don't think he's quite earned that reputation. And even if he has, I don't think that's a sound strategy. Um, but, you know, there needs to be some 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 balance there. Make him a mild sauce, like an A1 or a Chick-fil-A sauce. You don't want to make him a hot sauce. You get spicy things that that'll get that'll that'll be problematic for the Seahawks. But dude, you are making me hungry on this episode. <laughs> and I just had pizza an hour. I ago. haven't had dinner yet, so it's, it's it's a problem for me. But yeah, you, you can't. I mean, it's okay to challenge him. It's okay to, to 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 challenge him. He is the number one coverage corner per Pro Football Focus. He's absolutely earned this reputation. He's burst onto the scene. Fantastic corner. But you can't take away almost half the field. You can't do that. And, and expect to win this game, especially with how stout the Jets are in other areas of their defense. Yeah, and there's another really good corner that's across from him in DJ Reed that the Seahawks know very well that is not going to back down from a much bigger DK Metcalf. And he's certainly not going to back down from Tyler Lockett if he indeed does play in this football game. So I agree with you. You've got to find ways to pick your spots because you don't want to just completely eliminate half the field by saying, you know what? I'm going to stay away from Sauce Gardner. As great as he's been, you also have two elite receivers, and you have to be able to get the football to them. And so, yeah, you've got to take your shots, but you've got to be able to pick those spots wisely. And that has not necessarily been a strength for Geno Smith as of late. I'm not putting all that blame on him. The pass protection has been much worse, and that's put him in positions where he is more desperate and he's taking shots downfield when he shouldn't be. You can't do that against Sauce Gardner and DJ Reed, or you are going to be in trouble. Now, let's go over to the defensive side of the football because – this has kind of been a microcosm of the Jets season. Their defense has been so dominant all year long. Top five scoring defense. And on the flip side, they have one of the worst scoring offenses in the NFL. They've been rotating quarterbacks like most people change clothes. It's just been very difficult for them to find consistency on offense. Their best games, though, have been with Mike White under center. And Seahawks are unfortunately going to have to deal with the Jets playing with Mike White, who missed the last two games with an injury. He's cleared he's ready to go he's going to start this football game I think you and I would be in agreement on this though Mike White as good as he's played in his couple of starts this year he's had over 300 yards per game on average he's only thrown three touchdowns the Jets offense has not been you know world beaters with him out there they've been much better than they've been with their other quarterbacks but this still feels like a game especially with the struggles they've had defending the run where you sell out to make sure that the Jets are one-dimensional and you put everything on Mike White's shoulders. He's thrown four picks in a game before, so he can melt under pressure. It hasn't happened this year necessarily when he's played, but this does truly feel like one of those games where you say, you know what, Mike White, if you beat us, tip of the helmet, congratulations, but we are not going to let you run the football all over us and be able to have long extended drives, and we're going to make sure that you are the one that beats us because, quite frankly, your resume hasn't shown that you can do that consistently. Yeah, he, he has that, that that plucky Taylor Heineke kind of vibe. Um, and that might be a lazy, low-hanging fruit, but that's okay. Um, the team clearly plays hard for him. And as a guy who was truly rooting for Zach Wilson, you know, as a BYU guy, um, that it's been a little disheartening because the, the team really has embraced Mike White. And when you look at the games between Zach Wilson and Mike White, as far as production, it's all it's it's the yardage difference per game is pretty startling. It's almost it's about 150 yards of a difference per game between Zach Wilson and Mike White. Now, interestingly, though, 
the point difference per game is just about three points. So it's about a field goal difference in point per game this season between Mike White and Zach Wilson. So like you mentioned, it, it's the, the offense itself is functioning a lot better with Mike White, but not necessarily being this explosive juggernaut. Um, yeah. They still sputter. They're still 28th in the red zone uh, as, a, as a whole in offense this year. So the Seahawks got to take advantage of that. Now that's easy for me to say the Seahawks are also 26th in red zone defense. Um, but one thing I, I think as well is you got to keep things in front. Of you you got to you know, not let, let things get over the top. They have some fantastic weapons, which is, they do. You know, yeah. which is so confusing with how, you know, Zach, how poorly Zach Wilson has played. And even with Mike White, they're, they're, they don't have this crazy juggernaut of an offense, but they have, you know, Garrett Wilson is a fantastic receiver. And it's not just him yet more and, and Davis and they're eighth in, in yak per reception. And, and so they, they do get, um, some explosive plays from their receivers, and they are not, the cupboard is not bare on the offense for the Jets. But the Seahawks need to keep things in front of them. They can't let those guys beat them, especially if you're the whole game plan is to have Mike White beat you. You can't let him do that by getting over the top. Yeah, Elijah Moore has been much better. Former first round pick out of Ole Miss, he's been much better catching passes from Mike White than any other quarterback that the Jets have. And him in the slot against Kobe Bryant, that is to me potentially a worrisome one because as good as Brian has been at times, he is not the athlete that Elijah Moore is. Corey Davis has had kind of an up and down career, but he obviously has speed and size to be able to win downfield. And Garrett Wilson is the complete package. He's proving that right now with average at best quarterback play. He has been able to week in, week out, come up with big plays. He creates after the catch. He's got great speed, really savvy route runner for being a rookie. He is already near the top of the game in that regard. So yeah, you cannot let those receivers get over the top and you got to keep them in front of you. And most importantly, get a tackle because you mentioned the yards after the catch aspect. This team is good at manufacturing yardage for a team that doesn't score a lot of points. They are good at manufacturing yardage. You can't let the receivers and the tight ends running backs break tackles after the catch. And so that is going to be critical going back to Mike white for my final point here in this game, Mike white, you know, the term athlete can be thrown around for different reasons. He was a great baseball player. So from that perspective, he's a great athlete. But this is not a guy that is going to be running around doing a lot of damage with his legs. He is a statue pocket passer for the most part. And he's been pretty good against the Blitz this year. Last year when he played was a much different story. That being said, his completion rate is under 45% this year when he is under pressure. And so this is a game where I think you've got to be careful with the blitzes just because Mike White is a really good pocket passer that can get the ball out quickly, and he does have weapons that can create after the catch. But you're going to have to pick and choose when you do that to turn up the heat on this quarterback that isn't going to be able to improvise. He's not going to get out of the pocket and do a bunch of damage with his legs. And as the Bills showed a few weeks ago when they battered him to a pulp, you can get after the quarterback against this offensive line, not to pick on George Fant, former Seahawk, but he has had an atrocious season since they moved him over to right tackle. He's given up four sacks and 23 pressures on over 200 snaps at right tackle. It has been, it's been a really rough go for him over there after a pretty good year last season playing left tackle for the Jets. And Seattle knows him well from his time here. That might be the side of the line where you're able to mix and match some overloaded stunts and really wreak havoc getting after Mike White. But they're going to have to be aggressive in some way, shape, or form. Maybe not blitzing a ton, but you got to get after Mike White because this is a quarterback that has shown in the past 
that if you can get the heat on him, he's tough as nails, but he'll also make some really bad decisions with the football. Might be able to create some quick turnovers that way. Yeah, George Fan actually has a 45.8 passer uh, pass block grade right now. It's it's been, it's not been pretty for for George Fan. Uh, well, just watch the film. It's been really rough. Yeah, and I love George. I thought he played great for them last year, but it, it has not worked on the right side for him. Something's not. I mean, yeah, either that's the right side or injury or what have you. Yeah, with the Seahawks with the Chenanawosu Boy, I'd love to see more Boy Mafe. I'm um, getting there. Bruce Irvin, Daryl Taylor, those guys. You know, however they flip flop, they're going to have to feast on this on this right side of the offensive line and and really get into Mike White's face because um, it, it's it's imperative that they they cannot. This is one of those games where it might get mucked up with some of the with defense with the Jets and you know the not stellar quarterback play and the, the Seahawks struggling to run the ball, one haymaker shot that you let get behind you or you give Mike White too much time and he can get you over the top, that that might be it in, the, in a game kind of like this. So you can't afford that. So you have to keep him uncomfortable, speed the game up with some pass rush. And this is a team that's near the bottom of the NFL in third down conversion rate too. So if you're able to get some of that pressure early and get after the quarterback, this is not – again – this is not an offensive juggernaut. They don't score a lot of points, and they don't get a lot of first downs. They are not is going to be able to put together a lot of sustained drives. At least they haven't been able to this year. So if Seattle can find a way to get that pressure ratcheted up quick, be aggressive, get after the quarterback, and get some really quick stops like they did in Kansas City several times last week, that is really going to improve their chances of winning this football game. We're going to play a game this week, switch things up a little bit, move away from X-Factors and what the Seahawks need to do to win. We're going to play a little over or under with a number of Seahawks topics. That'll be coming up next year on our Blue Friday edition of Locked On Seahawks. This episode is brought to you by BetOnline. BetOnline.net is your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there from pro football to college bowl season to the NBA and college basketball. We've got it all at BetOnline.net. If you love sports podcasts, you can even find those at BetOnline as well. It's the fastest and easiest way to get your betting info. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts. You're listening to Blue Friday here on the Locked On Seahawks podcast. I'm your host, Corbin Smith. Joining me for our Friday episode, Nick Lee. A special thanks to all the 12s out there who, during their holiday season, are listening to Locked On Seahawks. And thanks for making Locked On Seahawks your first listen five days a week. All right, Nick, we're going to switch things up a little bit because you and I were talking before the show, uh, the X-Factors and Seahawks are going to win if... You know, that worked for a while, but you and I are both somewhat superstitious. It's time to move away to a little different style programming here, and hopefully this can put the Seahawks back in the win column on Sunday. So we're going to get back to what we've done, done in the past here, playing games on Blue Friday. We're going to play over-under, and how this works, we're going to have a statement with a number, and you and I get to quickly dish out whether we think the player or the group of players is going to go over or under that number. Pretty self-explanatory. So without further ado, let's get to our first one at the quarterback position. Nick, over under Geno Smith, one and a half touchdown passes against the vaunted Jets defense. A little bit of a revenge game for Geno Smith in this contest. This is a little spicy because the Jets are tied for the least amount of passing touchdowns allowed in the NFL. Um, and but Geno Smith, I think that revenge factor might be might be adding a little bit to this. I'm going to go over. Uh, Geno Smith 
has had at least two passing touchdowns in 11 of his 15 games this year, including against some pretty solid defenses. You know, he had, he had, uh, he reached that mark against the Broncos and the, and the Bucks, two pretty decent defenses and the Jets, um, I, I think are the best of those that he's faced. This will be one of the best, if not, man, the 49ers are pretty darn good too. The 49ers and the Jets, I think, are the two best defenses the Seahawks have faced this year. Um, and, of course, you got the Sauce Gardner factor. But I just think that they're, they're, he's going to find a way to get to – that might be a little bit optimistic. I don't think he's going to go three or four, of course. But I think he does get to um, with just some of the – you know, obviously the Seahawks have one of the better receiver tandems in the league, and Tyler Lockett is going to be itching to get back on the field and, and produce. So I think he gets two. Yeah, I'm actually going to go over and say two as well. I don't see this being one of those games where he erupts for three or four touchdowns, but I still like the weapons the Seahawks have on the outside. I like their tight ends in this matchup, and I think that they're going to be able to find some ways to run the ball as long as I mentioned earlier that they mix some things up and there's more pre-snap motion. You can't come in with a vanilla game plan against a defense like this, and I don't think Shane Waldron is going to. So I trust Geno in this game. He can say whatever he wants. This game means a lot to him. It's not just the playoffs. This is the team that drafted him, and then after two years, he had, had his jaw broken, and then they gave up on him. They moved to Ryan Fitzpatrick, and he never really got a shot again to be the guy. You know, that's got to leave a bad taste in his mouth. He's not going to say that publicly. He's going to say he loves the Jets and whatever. I'm sure there's people there that he does love, but that is going to be a factor in this game. He is going to come out wanting to prove himself once again. And I have a feeling that he's going to have a good game. Maybe not the best he's had this year because of the defense he's playing against. But I think two is reasonable, especially with the consistency he's had putting up that kind of number this year. Now, going to the defense, sticking with quarterbacks here, Nick. Team sacks for the Seahawks on Mike White, 3.5 in Sunday's game. I might be a little optimistic. Um, Mike White's been sacked five total times in three games this year. The Seahawks have two total sacks in the last two games. The Seahawks are 20th in pass rush win rate. You know, the Jets are 30th in pass block win rate, so there's an opportunity there. But Mike White seems to get the ball out quickly, um, and, he, and the Seahawks just have not been able to generate a ton of pressure lately. I'm going to go under. I, ju- I just think that, that, there, that just there's not a lot of juice to, to suggest they're going to get four sacks or three and a half sacks. Well, this is one of the few that I can actually push and it's legal to do because you can't have partial sacks. And I'm going to do that. I'm going to push it at three and a half because I know they have not played well at home this year, but there have been more games at home where the pass rush has been able to come to life a little bit more just because of the crowd and and the issues that offenses have with doing silent counts. It really works in the favor of pass rushers. So I don't think that they're going to erupt and have like six or seven sacks like they've done against Kyler Murray in the past. But I think three and a half against this offensive line that is missing Mechie Becton, Elijah Vera Tucker. They've got Dwayne Brown at left tackle. And we know Dwayne Brown from his days in Seattle. He's still been good. He's only given up one sack this year. But the rest of their offensive line, there have been issues protecting the quarterback, regardless of who's back there. Mike White was hit constantly against the Buffalo Bills. And he was able to get the ball out most of the time without taking sack. But he was battered. So this is an offensive line that can be vulnerable. They can give up pressure. So I'm not going to say they're going to erupt with a big game, but three and a half seems reasonable to me in this one, especially playing at home. Going back on offense, Ken Walker III on offense, 85 and a half rushing yards. He did have 107 against the Kansas City Chiefs on Saturday. Nick, do you see him building momentum against a much stouter front seven that the Jets are going to bring to Seattle? Oh man, 85.5. Uh, that might be a little bit uh, optimistic as well. 
um, that he's averaging just over 60 yards per game. I know some of that isn't his fault with with injuries and, and the offensive line being uh, hit and miss. The Jets, as mentioned, are third in run-stop win rate, um, 11th in rushing yards allowed per game, third in, in yards per carry allowed. Um, the Seahawks' offensive line has been a mess recently. I know they got a little bit of traction uh, against the, the Chiefs, but again, like you mentioned, this is a much better run defense. Um, no Abe Lucas, which worries me. Um, I'm going to go under. I, I don't think he's going to get you know stuffed for you know 12 carries for 20 yards or something, but I don't think he gets to 85. I don't think he gets to 60 in this game, to be honest with you. I'm going to go under, significantly under. And it's not that I don't think Walker can't break loose on a few decent runs in this game. I could see him going 15 for 55 or something. But like this, this front seven has been nasty all year against the run. I don't trust the interior offensive line for the Seahawks to be able to create push. If Stone Forsythe is out there, even though he showed some things last week against Kansas City, I don't. I don't expect him to go out against another rookie and Michael Clemens, who's been a beast against the run. I don't expect him to go out there and win that matchup very often, if at all. I just, it's the lack of faith in the offensive line, not Ken Walker the third. So I'm going to go under, and I don't think, I don't know that he gets close to it. Maybe Seattle finds some ways to create some big plays in the run game, and they're going to stick with it because they have to. I just don't know they're necessarily going to have a lot of success doing it all right back on defense here we go reek the freak he gets to go up against sauce gardner the battle of rookie of the year favorites on both defenses can reek the freak add to that interception total over under nick 0.5 so basically i'm asking is he going to get a pick or is he not well i just saw avatar way of water and i think Tariq willa made an appearance there as one of the navi um but in in any case um i'm gonna go over i think that he I think that he might take this matchup, not that he's going up against Sauce Gardner per se, um, but just that matchup that, that those two have, have been kind of, at least on paper, been going back and forth. I think he might take that a little personally or at least add a little juice or a little sauce to it and get a pick here. Um, so I'm going to go over and, and and look at this. We're talking about Tariq Woolen versus Sauce Gardner, the fourth overall pick. Tariq Woolen was supposed to be you know, this raw project, and here we go. Um, how he's going up against one of the better best corners in the NFL, and he's just he's right there in that conversation. I think that he he rises to the occasion this weekend. I'm going to go under. I think that Tariq Woolen's going to make a few plays in this game, but I'm actually projecting no picks this week. I do think Seattle is going to intercept Mike White at least once. I, I just don't think it's going to be Tariq Woolen. I wouldn't be surprised if Mike White stays away from him most of the game. He might get the Richard Sherman treatment in this contest, but I could see him getting a pass breakup or two, maybe recovering a fumble. He's been pretty darn good at finding the football when it's on the turf, but I actually am going to go under on this one, and maybe he'll go out and get number seven, but I just have a feeling this game that Mike White and company might say, you know what, we're going to pick on some other people. We're not going to mess with number 27 very much here, especially playing at Lumen Field. One more on offense here for the receivers. A fun one, Nick. Combined catches by DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett, assuming both of them play. 12 and a half is the number for today's game. I like that number with uh they totaled 18 between the two in that Thursday night game against the 49ers. Um, they had 10 the week before. I'm not counting, of course, the game against the Chiefs since Tyler Lockett didn't play. So that's a good in-between number. I'm gonna go over. Uh, for a few reasons. One, Tyler Lockett, I think, is going to be itching to get back and, and be productive. And two, I think the Seahawks are going to struggle to run the ball, and they're going to be forced to force feed their top two receivers to generate any, any sort of offense to get down the field. So they might be forced to at least attempt to get these two 13, 14, 15-plus catches. 
Yeah, you rarely see this duo go under 12 receptions combined. I mean, that's just six apiece. I think both of them are going to be able to surpass that in this game. And like I said, I think Geno is going to come out with some renewed confidence, especially because of who's on the other side of the field. He's got a lot he wants to prove. So I think Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf, for better or worse, they're going to get a lot of opportunities in this game. Even with the corners they're going up against, Geno Smith isn't going to – he's not going to back down. He's going to go in attack mode, and I think he's going to try to get the football, as he should, to his two best receivers on the outside. So I'm going over this one. I I could see him getting 15, 16, maybe even 18 like they did a few weeks ago in a game, as you mentioned. It's just hard to find games where they are held to 12 or fewer combined between the two of them because they are such productive receivers and such a key part in Seattle's offense. One more on defense now, and this has really been a struggle for the Seahawks. All-purpose yards by Jets running backs, 125.5. In most years, Nick, this probably would be an easy under, but we're talking about the 2022 Seattle Seahawks here. Yeah, um, well, I'm still having, I'm still checking under my bed for Josh Jacobs. So uh, the, the Seahawks, uh, I think as well are. Um, in Mike White's last fully healthy game against the Vikings a few weeks ago, Jets running backs totaled 176 all-purpose yards. And the Seahawks are not exactly the 85 Bears either. So I'm going to go over. I just, even though they don't have their dudes, I'd say for running back, Brees Hall, unfortunately, have suffered an injury. I think he's one of the better young running backs in the game. Um, but, you know, the Zonovan Knight, Ty Johnson, Michael Carter kind of mix and match uh, by committee that the Jets got going on. I think with, especially with Mike White's orchestration of the of the offense, he's going to get the ball to his running backs, even in the passing game. So I'm going to go over. I'm going to go under, but I think it's going to be very close. And maybe I'm going to end up regretting this decision because, again, this is the 2022 Seahawks. But the games I've watched, Mike White has been more willing to get the football to his receivers than, say, Zach Wilson, who has been captain check down the last few games. And that's one of the reasons the Boo Birds have been coming down from Jets fans, not getting the ball downfield. Mike White is going to attack downfield more. So I think that's going to, by itself, make it there's less yardage to the running backs. As you mentioned, there have been games where they have gotten big yards from the running backs with Mike White out there. So maybe it does happen, but I think he is going to try to be a little more aggressive getting the football to his receivers, to his tight ends. So I'm not necessarily sure that we're going to see as many opportunities in the passing game. And I think Seattle has taken a little bit of a step forward with run defense the last few weeks. This is not a team loaded with juggernauts, although Carolina wasn't either. And we know what happened when Carolina came to town. But the Seahawks have to know the gravity of the situation they're in right now. You need to win this or you are done, basically. So I think the run defense will step up. I'm going under on this one. And last one real fast, just for fun, because we got to have special teams. They get left out on our show way too often. Jason Myers, total points on Sunday, nine and a half. So we're looking at between three field goals and three field goals and an extra point or any other combination there. I think with the Jets defense and how the Seahawks offense has been performing lately, that might be a little aggressive for my taste. That might be a little too rich for my blood, so to speak. So I'm going to go under. Um, I, I think he'll get some opportunities with maybe the Seahawks sputtering in the red zone or something like that. Maybe get six or seven with you know two field goals and a touchdown. Um, but just the my, I cannot quite envision the Seahawks generating enough drives that far down the field to get get to 9.5. Unfortunately. I'm going to go over. I'm going to say right at 10 points on this one. Actually, I'm going to go 11 points because I think the Seahawks will be able to move the ball some in this game. 
I don't know they're necessarily going to be able to score a lot of touchdowns because of who they're playing against, but I do think they're going to be able to move the ball at home. That's going to set up more opportunities for Myers, who's been Mr. Automatic. I actually think that we're going to see three field goals from him. And then I mentioned the two Geno Smith touchdowns earlier. Jason Myers gets extra points on those. So I'm actually going to go over nine and a half might seem like a lot, but this is a team where it's very difficult to score touchdowns. And so I think that creates more opportunities naturally for Jason Myers to make an impact in this game with his leg in the field goal department. So I'm actually going to go over with 11 on that real quick before we sign out for the weekend here, Nick prediction real quick. Are the Seahawks going to be the playoff or 22 another disappointing loss to a pesky jet squad? Um, File this under reverse psychology. Uh, the Seahawks or the, the Jets have a nasty defensive line. Quinn and Williams, know i keeps a lot of offensive coordinators up at night and i think shane waldron's one of those and he's a game wrecker and him and that defense i I think the seahawks are going to really struggle to move the ball a ton and generate a lot of consistency in the run game and that might put him behind and mike white's going to come back the team's going to be motivated and the jets can smell blood a little bit they are anxious as heck to make the playoffs um it's been so long for them i think they have one of the longest droughts in north american sports now um, so they really are hungry for it. So uh, unfortunately, I, I'm going to see. I'm going to. I'm going to see if this is kind of a reverse psychology. I'm going to go 20 to 17 uh, Jets. I'm going to go 23 to 16 Seahawks. I think Seattle does get the job done in this game. I, like I mentioned a few minutes ago, I don't think the Jets are going to be able to run the ball at will, which means now they probably will go out and do that, just like the Panthers did a few <laughs> weeks ago. But I think that the Seahawks defensive line and their linebackers are going to step up. And if they're not able to get their running game going and they're not able to have sustained drives, Mike White has been better than their other quarterbacks. But again, they haven't scored a ton of points with him out on the field. They haven't been able to finish their drives necessarily. You make this a one-dimensional game where they have to beat you throwing the football with the quarterbacks that they have. And this is not being offensive to Mike White. Again, I think he's much better than the other quarterbacks. And you have to take him seriously because he's tough and he makes plays. But I just don't think this is an offense, and the statistics show it. They are not an offense built to put points on the board, even against the Seahawks defense that's been very up and down this year. I think you're going to get a little bit more from Geno Smith. You're going to get those two touchdown passes, three field goals. That is going to be enough in this football game to win. I think it's going to be a defensive slugfest. I joked about it earlier this week, and it really wasn't a joke. I think you could have more quarterback hits combined from both teams than points in this one. But I am leaning towards a little bit more offense just looking at the forecast and where things stand. So I'm going to go 23-16, Seattle improving to 8-8. Eight eight. I guess we'll find out which one of us is right when we get to the game on Sunday. As always, you can follow me on Twitter at Corbett Smith NFL. You can follow Nick at NickLee51. And make sure to check out Locked on Seahawks on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, all the major platforms. And, of course, video form. We're streaming five days a week. On YouTube, coming up on Sunday after the game, I'll be dishing out my weekly postcast, Game Balls, three up, three down, key storylines coming out of hopefully what will be a Seahawks victory over the Jets at Lumen Field. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. Enjoy the game. Thanks for listening. Go Hawks.